Well, good morning, everyone. Really appreciate. Did you select those songs this morning, or did? Yeah. Thank you. They were excellent, excellent songs. Appreciate it. All right, we have. Uh, actually, my dear sweet wife, would you please go and grab the uh, one calendar for me so I could show it off? Thank you. All right. Well, there are several announcements. One of which is that the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar meeting that we had planned for today has been rescheduled for next week. And that was because several of those who participate actively in it were not able to make it today. So we are changing that up a little bit. And so these are available out in the entryway. And I did get that information quick enough for me to change it on the calendar. So if you'd like to take a look at that, that would be great. And uh, it is in gray and kind of a rusty kind of maroon because I, I like, kind of like the smoky sunsets and the smoky, I know I'm weird. But anyway, I thought it would kind of be fitting for what's going on. So anyway, if you want to take a look at those things to see what's coming up, that would be great. And also, too, uh, we will be having uh, um, uh, college age tomorrow night. But the night before I leave for Poland, I think I'll probably be packing like frantic or something. So we won't have be having it uh, on that evening, although it does say we will. And when I'm in Poland, probably not going to have a college-age group unless one of the college-age couples want to post that, like the Drillingers have done in the past. So with that, are there any other announcements? I don't, I'm flying blind in regards to birthdays. Is there a birthday coming up this week? No birthdays? Is Sherry's today? Is it? Okay. Two days. All right. So we're going to sing. Hopefully Sherry's watching. If she's not, we're going to sing anyway. Oh, Janelle's birthday today. Okay. So we're going to sing to Janelle too. See, that's what happens when you don't have somebody telling you what to say. It's embarrassing. All right. Here we go. We're going to sing happy birthday. So Sherry, Janelle, I hope you're watching. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. All right. All right. Hey, we're going to grab our Bibles and we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, as I grab these wonderful notes of encouragement. Miss Jamie. I admire the way you use your unique gifts to enrich the lives of other people. You are an inspiration and encouragement. Let's get over Miss Jamie. Woohoo! I know this lady. Sharon, you devote yourself fully to serving and loving others. And my life is so rich because you're in it. You are amazing and your smile spreads joy abundantly. I'm going to add... Her scones are world famous. Anyway, there you go. Give it up for Miss Sharon. I've actually thought about making, having you make scones and delivering them and see what the, the Ukrainians and the Belarusians and the Polish people think. What do you think? A little dry. Uh, they're a little dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that, but that's a good idea. <laughs> All right, here we go. Tanya Viegas, you are such a joyful, bubbly ray of sunshine. You light up any room you enter. We are so blessed 
to have you in our family. Give it up for Tanya. Hey, and the Cam Brown family is in the house. Give it up. <laughs> Great to see you this morning. It's awesome. All right. Well, like, do we got all the announcements done? All the singing of happy birthday and all that stuff? Anything else? It's so dangerous for the preacher to open up to, is there anything else? Because there's always something else. But let's go ahead and grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs in chapter 8 and verse 13. You know, I was so excited about getting into the, the, the really good, fun stuff about fearing the Lord. I forgot a couple very important sermons. It's not that I forgot them, I just didn't put them in sequential order. So we're taking a look once again at Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. And uh, my intention was to really flesh that out. What is really being said there? And so in chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 very simple, short passage with a big meaning. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. God hates pride and arrogance. The original sin was not committed there in the garden. The original sin was committed before the creation of the universe. The original sin was the pride that swelled up in Lucifer's heart, and he desired to become as God. Greater than God, as he says, as the scripture says, that he would raise his throne up before and higher than the one true God. That's sick, man. He's a servant. He was given a very special role and responsibility as the archangel of light to represent as an ambassador the great and glorious one true God. You go back and do a little study, and I don't do a big study on Satan. You don't need to know all the garbage about that guy, but what you need to know is that guy, he fell because of pride. And you know, if you take a look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, when they were actually tempted by the devil, there was pride that he elicited out of Eve's heart first and then out of Adam's. Remember what he said? He said, surely if you eat this, you'll become as what? God. And you know, that's the problem. Pride is I, we, people, those who forget who God is, we swell up and we say, look how great I am. Look how amazing I am. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have. Self becomes then God. And that is the ugly, the ugliest of all idols is self. Think about that for just a minute. When you have a problem in your life that may you may have created, I'm not saying that necessarily because problems come in our lives that we didn't have anything to do with and yet we get to deal with them. But you have the gall to say, well, I know exactly how to fix this thing and this is how I'm going to do it because I know what I've done. I've done it before and I'll do it again. There's danger in that because you are not relying upon God, the one true sovereign, the creator of the universe, the one who created you unique and distinct, gave you all the amazing talents, gifts, and abilities that make you amazing, 
and you take it all to yourself. Pride is the original sin. And if you will take a moment to meditate on pride, <coughs> self elevated above God, you'll come to realize that pride has destroyed every single human institution and relationship at one time or another. Pride. We're going to define it. We're going to understand it. We're going to see why we should hate it because of its destructive nature, not only for ourselves, if we have pride in our lives, but it destroys everything it comes in contact with through us. It's ugly. It's the original. It's how this whole thing has come apart. But if we will yield ourselves once again, come back to the Almighty God, the sovereign over all, and humble ourselves, giving ourselves to his service according to his will, then self is crucified and put down. And we can enjoy the blessing of why God created us in his image, to be like him, to serve him, to help other people come to a right understanding of who he is, that they might escape the darkness. They might escape the pain and suffering. They might come into that beautiful eternal kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. So we need to hate pride. But I want you to be very careful here. Do not hate the person that's prideful. Because all of us have exalted self. And so when you point your finger at somebody and says, I don't like that guy or that gal is so prideful, so conceited, so arrogant, so pompous, so swelled up, their head's going to pop. And that you have done the same thing more than once when you've exalted yourself over the living God. Remember what happens when you point your finger at someone? you got some fingers pointing back at you. The Bible literally says that. You who judge others, you judge yourself. You need to judge yourself and ask yourself, am I prideful according to the biblical standard? That's what this is about. And reject that and embrace the will of God. So let's begin this morning. And the first point is I'm just going to give you some, some definitions. I would have you go back and look these things up yourself. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word pride basically means pride. And the word arrogance basically means arrogant. Go look it up. That's what you get. You're going, I feel really good about myself now. I have no clue what pride and arrogance is, but now I know it's pride and arrogance. I don't know about you, but that really bothers me. I know others have shared that from the pulpit before. So what do you do with it? Well, again, as you know, I always like to go to the Noah Webster Dictionary, defining what the English language looks like. By the way, he does a good job of illustrating it. The beauty is, is that Noah Webster, in his amazing long-term wisdom, made sure that Noah Webster, the 1828 uh, dictionary, is online. It's amazing. You can go right in. You don't have to buy the big fat book. Although I've been tempted. I like my little... But I've checked it out. It is the same. They didn't mess it up. I don't know if you've noticed that, but if you have the Webster's Dictionary, 1828, they haven't messed it up. It's even in Old English, so you got to kind of decipher what he's saying. It's cool. But here's what I got. Pride. Inordinate self-esteem. Inordinate. What that means is beyond what it should be. Beyond what it should be. 
inordinate self-esteem. I am amazing. You know why? You know why? Because I say so. Well, that's kind of the mindset that so many have, unfortunately. They may not say it that way, but then it's an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty. I don't have to worry about that. Accomplishments, rank, and elevation in office. In other words, you think you're the be-all, do-all. Now, some of us are wise and realize that what we have and what we are is we have been given that. That's, that's wisdom. But then it goes on and says, this kind of pride manifests itself in lofty airs, distancing oneself from those who are not as quite as good as you, reserving comments only for the truly worthy and looking down your nose in contempt at those who are not as amazing as you are. That's what pride is. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around those kind of people before, but they make me sick. The problem is, is I've been those people before, but I didn't make my sick, myself sick because I didn't judge myself rightly according to that standard. Wouldn't it be better if you judged yourself and tweaked and changed and molded yourself to the will of God rather than to what you think is better? I'm getting better. Okay, what's the, what's the standard of better? It's better than what I was yesterday. Well, okay, that's not saying much actually. I'm not being mean when I say that. We have to have a right, we have to have a right standard, you see. Oh, the word, the word uh, uh, pride also has some synonyms. Haughty. Not like haughty, it's haughty. That word is a rather interesting one. One who has a higher opinion of himself than he ought to have. Again, if he doesn't know, he's kind of blissfully ignorant. Having a high opinion of oneself to hold uh, in disdain or contempt anyone not as good as you. That's rugged. Now here's the arrogance one. Here's for arrogance. The act or quality of taking much more upon thyself than what is deserved. A, a species, this is arrogance. It's a species of pride. I like the way Noah Webster talks. Well, this is a special species of pride. In other words, it's got its own ugly little tentacles. This species of pride which consists in exorbitant claims of rank dignity and estimation of power of which exalts the worth or importance of the person to an undue degree to the point of conceit i like that one even better let me say that again because it, there's a lot of words here exorbitant means what way beyond what it should be so here we go the act or quality of taking much upon oneself, a species of pride which consists in exorbitant claims of rank, dignity, estimation of power, of which exalts the worth or importance of the person to an undue degree, the point of, of contempt, contemptible. We've all seen people like that, and I think if you've seen people like that, you are the uh, beloved recipient of feeling like you're a nothing. Let's take a look at Jesus for just a moment before we transition. Do you remember the woman who was a prostitute that comes in to lunch? Uninvited, by the way. To Simon the Pharisee, who is well-renowned 
for his amazingness. He's more than willing to say so as well in the scriptures. And who does Jesus lovingly honor and exalt as one, believe it or not, worthy of forgiveness because she has humbled herself? It, well, I gave it away. It wasn't Simon, the amazing man of God, quote unquote. It was this woman who realized her position and so in her desperate need for Christ. Isn't that amazing? I love how Jesus operates. Now I want to turn to point number two really quickly. Why should we hate pride and arrogance? Oh, by the way, why should we hate it in ourselves? I should have put down there. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. This one is uh, real simple. 16 and verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling or, or a fall. So in looking that up, I, I want to pop this out here real quickly. The word destruction means to fracture and ruin. How many have ever seen a compound fracture before? Anybody here ever get the, the really exciting experience of seeing a compound fracture? What's a compound fracture, brother? Yeah, and there's something special about that fracture. It breaks the skin oh, yeah, and pops out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you go, whoa, that's not supposed to be there. It's like your leg, and, and the part of your leg is sticking out, going, hi, I'm here. It's not supposed to be there. Oh, that's sick, man. So here it is. Destruction means to fracture or to ruin. Ruin means absolute debased. Can I ask you a question? Is there any sinner that's going to stand before God and say, hey, look, I'm the cheese here. You're not. Get off that throne. I'm home. I am, I'm claiming my rightful place. Do you think anybody's going to do that when they stand before King Jesus? Well, if you think, you're not reading the same book I am. My book says we're going to fall on our faces. Total proskuneo, fall on our faces, because we'll fully understand the greatness of the one true sovereign creator of all things. But I've heard people actually say that. And I know some of you have heard people say that too. Hey, when I get that one, I'm going to spit in God's eye and say, hey man, you can send me to help? Good. I'm going to go play, play uh, poker with my buddies. You ain't going to be saying nothing like that. That's true, isn't it? See, so when we take a look at this, why do you want to hate pride? It's because pride is what destroys us. Pride in elevating ourselves to a position greater than who we are. Take a look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. This is a really uh, great, verse 18, excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18. Paul's got it dialed in. Listen to this passage. Very short verse, but he's got it dialed in. Are you ready? For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. So it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. 
What matters is what God thinks about you. And God's going to think about you based upon your submission to him. The one who's not submitted to him, he is of no regard. But the one who is in submission to God's will is the one who will be honored. And so why should we hate pride? Because pride will keep us out of heaven. Putting self above God. Satan exalted himself, as I said before, and he was cast out of heaven, and he has wreaked destruction upon the earth ever since. The very first family fell victim to him calling them into self-pride, self-righteousness, self-exaltation above God or equal with God. And we've people have fallen ever since. So I have a list here of things that pride has destroyed. Think with me for just a minute. Pride destroys relationships of every kind. I shared a little bit about my marriage relationship early on, and I, I shared, confessed to the folks here during Bible class that Sharon had a gigantic problem. And she had a major problem. And that's why our marriage wasn't going very well. Her major problem was me. That's her major problem. Until I figured that out, Sharon had a major problem. But Sharon had a major problem. You know who it was? You don't need to say, because I'm protecting my wife. That's it, isn't it? Selfishness. I am the gift from God to Sharon. How could I be the problem? In that statement or that mindset or that belief, which I'm terrified to tell you that I, you know, that little voice in the back of my head, these things aren't going right. And if Sharon could just figure it out, it'd be fine. Do you see what happened? I destroyed our relationship. We were on the verge. Thankfully, we both backed up and realized that we were the problem in the marriage. I mean, me. She came to that conclusion all by herself. I didn't have to tell her. I'm not talking about me being the problem. I found out I was the problem. She realized that she had challenges. Can you say amen to that, honey? That we both had issues. Okay. Thinking maybe I'm not telling the truth here. It destroys every friendship. It destroys partnerships in business and, and partnerships outside of business. It destroys teams. It destroys businesses. It destroys countries. As, a, as I said, it destroys marriages. It destroys churches. It destroys churches. When I came to Pleasant Hill, Pleasant Hill got my presence because I was told by the preacher that he knew all things and I couldn't assemble with two different churches. I had to have my membership in one or the other. You can't be in both places. Literally, I come to find out he just wanted to harvest the college age group because there was about ebbs and flows, 50, 60, 70 kids come and go. He wanted to harvest that group. So he went to each one and said, you got to make a decision. Where are you going to go? That's pretty sick, isn't it? Does he know better than God? 
I thought there's one church of Jesus Christ. One church of Jesus Christ. And if I was immersed into Christ, I could have fellowship with the saints at Santa Clara, where I'd been, and I could have fellowship with the saints here because we're all of the same church. Pride destroys everything. We don't usually label it pride, though. But that's really what it is. Now, how are we going to get over that? Remember, I'm talking about hating pride in yourself. Not pride in me, not pride in others. Now, can you come alongside with gentleness as a spiritually mature and help someone over that wrong understanding of who self is compared to God? Well, the answer is, of course, yes. But now let's look at the last point. The last point's the most important. And I, I'm shocked to see that I still have 15 minutes left. How'd that happen? I don't know. That's a gift from God, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Why should we love being humble? Or why should we love humility? Why? Parable, Proverbs 18 and verse 12. Turn there with me if you would. Proverbs 18 and verse 12. By the way, uh, the New Testament has an awful lot to talk about this one, which is great. And it speaks of it in a little bit different way. A little bit, I think, that we can handle a little bit better. So here we have it in Proverbs in chapter 18 and verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty or prideful, but humility goes before honor. Isn't that a beautiful choice? You can choose to be haughty or humble, prideful or yielded to God's sovereignty. It's your choice. We got free will. I think I'm going to go with being honored rather than being what? Crushed, destroyed, fractured, and ruined. I think that's what I'm going to go with. But how do I do that? I need to understand what it means to be humble. I need to understand what that honor is going to be. It's pretty awesome when you really start digging. And I encourage you to dig on this one. Some have heard that humility is being meek. And meek means weak. And weak means doormat. And I'm not that. Humility is not weakness. Humility is amazing strength to yield your will to the will of God takes great strength. Amazing strength. And then to fulfill the will of God again. That's why God gives us his Holy Spirit so we can actually do that. Well, take a look. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12. The humble man or the woman will receive honor Look at, look at Proverbs 11.2. Just real quick. Keep your hands, your fingers here. But look at Proverbs 11.2. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2. When pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble, there is wisdom. There's wisdom with the humble. There's honor with the humble. Now let's really quickly define humility. Again, Humility in the Old Testament means gentleness or meekness. But if you don't understand what those words are, you still don't get the point. Let's take a look. Humility. Humility is literally freedom from pride and arrogance. In other words, getting pride and arrogance out of your life. 
examining yourself and finding selfishness where you've elevated yourself over what God's will is, what God's plan is, and you're doing it your own way. That's pride. That's selfishness. You're putting yourself in the place of God and doing it your way instead of God's way. So humility is literally the freedom from pride and arrogance. Scripturally, to possess a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God. Let me say that again. This is an important point. To possess a deep sense of one's unworthiness in the sight of God. You're saying, well, that sounds like you think you're just a dirtbag and worthless. Without Christ? You're right. We deserve the lake of fire. Human beings that sin deserve the lake of fire. Human beings that become Christians and yield their will to the Father's will, Jesus paid that full price and was damned on the cross so that we would not receive what we deserve. We actually receive what we don't deserve. By His will, by His plan, by His love, by His mercy, by His sacrifice, we have eternal life. We have hope in this life and in the life to come. This possessing a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God does not mean you're worthless. It means that you are absolutely priceless because he's given you what you don't deserve because you yielded yourself to him. The last statement, to be in submission to God's will. Humility, simply stated, is to be in submission to God's will. Now, can I ask you a question? How in the world are you going to know God's will? He's in heaven and you're here. God's word reveals his will. Now you have a you have a you have a choice then. You're going to read it, but more importantly, dig 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 to understand it and apply it. And you know what's really beautiful? How many of you like picture books? How many like picture Come on, raise your hand. Picture books. I bought a magazine when I was running around with Kevin on Friday. Kevin was doing his thing and I was unfortunately where his thing is, is on these racks, and there's a magazine rack right next to it. And so, I, I don't want to go, uh, you know, have you ever known somebody, when you're counting, and they go, 2, 25, 6, 13. I have to be honest with you, Kevin, I was tempted to do that when you want. <laughs> but I held myself back. And I looked over here, and here's this magazine. And it's, it's, I gotta confess, it was a elk hunting magazine. And you know what's really cool about that? It had lots of pictures. Lots of them. So it tells you what to do, but then it shows you how to do it. I love those kind of books. This book is that book. You want to know how it looks? A human being being gentle. A human being being patient. 
a human being being compassionate, a human being that puts his will as secondary, probably even less than that, because he went to the cross, because he put your life more important than his. There's illustration over and over and over and over. This thing is a living illustration of Christ in the flesh then and now. I love this book. You can see how to be patient. You can see how to be kind. You can see how to sacrifice yourself in love. It's awesome. It's an amazing book. But you must yield yourself in submission to God's will. Now, why is that important? Well, one is your salvation. But I think that's not even as important as the other things. To be respected and honored by both, by both your words and your actions for sacrificial acts of service to receive glory, honor, and praise. Sacrificial acts of service. Have you ever given yourself to serve others and God gives you that beautiful, sweet voice of affirmation, commendation, that you did the right thing for the right reason, no strings attached. Have you ever had that before? I love that. Have you ever had this one before? You do the right thing, but that still, ball, still small voice says, you know what, you're not doing that for the right reason. You're doing that because you want. Have you ever had that voice before? When we were doing... Uh, the, the power of sincerity. Remember, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience. Remember we talked about the conscience and how we need to be constantly judging our motives, why we do what we do? I'll tell you what, that was a rugged year. I was doing a whole bunch of right things, but I'm, I'm studying what it means of a good conscience and God's going, check your motives. Check your motives. I mean, this is what he's doing to me, not you. Check your motives. And I was checking my motives. I going, so I had a choice. Either stop doing the right thing or change my motives so my motives were in alignment with what I was doing. You know what happened? It's pretty cool. Freedom. Freedom inside. And a different response from people. Because people intuitively know when you're doing something for them and you're wanting something. It's weird how that works. Reminds me of an old, old, old 1960s movie where Bing Crosby says, everybody's got an angle. Everybody's got an angle. Everybody's got a reason for what they do. You know, unfortunately, that guy is, was, he's dead now. That was a true statement. But is your angle because you're in submission to God's will and you're doing it because you want to be just like Jesus and it doesn't matter the response you get because you're doing it for Jesus? That's true humility. That's true honor. When God whispers, well done, well done, a good and faithful servant, you will enter into your rest. And then that day when you're standing before King Jesus, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And everybody's going, whoa, this is awesome. They're all listening and watching while you individually are called out 
for laying your life down in sacrifice. So you get it now, and then you get it then. I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to work on being more humble and less prideful. Extinguish the pride, replace it with humility. Finally, some comparative verses. Let's look at those really quickly in closing. These, these are going to be the concluding what? The concluding statements. Proverbs 15 and verse 33. Proverbs 15 and verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. You want to be wise? You want to be honored? Then choose humility. Romans 12. Romans 12. We're going to the New Testament now. There's some really great classic passages on humility in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Paul warns us. He says, For through the grace given to me, I say to every, everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. You know what the key part of that is? God has allotted to you your gifts, talents, and abilities. He's the one that's made you great. Not you. You're just wise enough to use those amazing gifts to serve him. Now, jump down a little bit in Romans chapter 12. Take a look, if you would, at verse uh, 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. In other words, don't think you're better. Don't think you're lesser. Be of the same mind toward one another. We're all amazing members of the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty, prideful in mind, but associate with the lowly. Literally have fellowship with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That sounds like what? Humility. I don't know you, but I've been at churches before where there are certain people that everybody knows they are the know-all, be-all. And if you don't know that, go talk to them, and they'll let you know. How do I know that happens? How do I know that happens? Well, why don't we turn to 1 Corinthians. Oh, let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians first. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. I know we've been there once before this morning. We're going to go there again. Listen to these characters. I mean... I'm embarrassed to say that, man, these guys are those guys you don't want to be hanging around. Look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. But we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. In other words, they're prideful. And they don't have any understanding of why we're here. We're here to serve God. We're not here to serve ourselves. God created you special, unique and distinct. So that you could serve him. You can't serve him like I serve him. You have to serve him the way that he designed you and gifted you. I can't serve him the way you serve him. I can have the same character, but not the same service. Not the same giftedness. God's gifted each one to serve him. Well, let's close now with 1 Corinthians 10, 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. A beautiful passage in closing. 
Let Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. That's a, that's a statement to each one of us. No, I get to speak it, but that statement comes back to me as well. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed. In other words, listen and obey lest he fall. Remember the beginning, very beginning passage? We're looking at Proverbs. You see, pride goes before destruction arrogant goes before the fall my prayer is that we would examine ourselves do we really fear God do we hold him in greatest esteem in all of who he is and what he's done and are we willing to yield ourselves to his will according to his word that's really the question my prayer is is that not only I but you all those who desire to see eternal life and love good days would extinguish the pride and the arrogance and embrace what it means to be humble in submission to God's will. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, the power of fearing you will lead us to hate evil, specifically pride and arrogance, to hate it in ourselves, to see what it's done in our past in destroying relationships and destroying our own selves, alienating us from you, and get rid of it and replace it with humility, that sweet, blessed character quality that Christ exhibited when he said, not my will, but thine be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get all excited. Let's all stand. What did Jesus say? He said to... Go! Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right. Let's go be humble. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>